I, I am excited to bring the word to you this morning. And uh, I just hope that you uh, will allow God to speak to your hearts in, uh, and hear what he has to say. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful again for the prayer that went on here before service. Uh, and I'm grateful, Ned, as always, he came and prayed for me and preached the message that I'm about to preach in the prayer. And, um, uh, and, uh, and I'm thankful for that because the Holy Ghost, it's, there's one spirit. And um, uh, being better together is being together. And being together in one mind and one accord is having the mind of Christ. And uh, I'm convinced that God has a word in the day that we live. If, uh, uh, if you are any, by any means uh, living in fear, I'm no longer a slave to fear, is what the word uh, uh, of the song said. And, and I hope that's your life. There's so many things around us that tries to captivate our emotion and our thought and cause us to live afraid. Okay? How many get financially afraid every once in a while. Come on, don't lie to me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, how many get afraid of growing old once in a while? Irrationally. Like, whoa. Yeah, I mean, how, you know, how many get afraid when you get an ache in your body? Come on. Uh, there's all kinds of fear that, that this world wants to put upon us, but I'm telling you, if you allow God's word to touch your life and to rule in your heart and in your spirit, you do not have to be afraid. And um, so I, I, we've been talking about uh, that rare Christianity where rare, uh, an acronym standing for returning to relationship. Uh, and uh, the A is acting like yourself, and we talked at length in a couple services about not acting like who you think you ought to be, but acting like the God uh, creation, the new creature, uh, the one that was born again of, of uh, incorruptible seed, that we take on the nature of Christ, uh, and, 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 re- and acting like what God intended you to be, not your addicted self, not your, your angry self, not your, your, your uh, uh, caught up in this world self, but acting in the freedom that, that Christ has given to us. And that self makes it easy for us to be in relationship. Uh, if I'm acting like my carnal self, my carnal nature, it's difficult for us to be in relationship. In fact, almost impossible to be in unity, and and so there's some that are that are around that that you have a uh, you know you have a uh, thin veneer of spirituality, right? But but I'm just please act like God's what God's created you to be, and then so the next one is about returning to joy, and I want to talk about that to get uh, today because we gravitate toward joy. If we find something that makes us glad, that's where we want to hang out. That's why you get your kids' season passes to the Great Escape, right? Because they ooh and ah and thrill over every roller coaster. I just get dizzy and and and, and feel sick for a while. <laughs> it doesn't help me anymore. But the whole idea of of uh, 
of uh, we gravitate toward relationships that bring us joy. Uh, that's why if you're living in a place of unforgiveness towards me or I am that towards you and we're in conflict, we're going to avoid each other. And we're not going to remain relational. And in fact, we're not acting like the, ourselves, the ones that God, what God's created us to be. And, uh, and so returning to joy is absolutely essential for us to be better together. The whole idea of our assembly. Uh, it's better when we pray together. Amen. Is it not? It's better when we worship together. It's better when we give together. It's just life is better. God, the kingdom of God is better together. You cannot do this isolated. If you're here today, and, and I appreciate you that are visiting, I'm, and I'm grateful for it. You really are uh, um, uh, the focus, I think, uh, uh, and especially if you don't know Jesus because he uh, wants to know you. He wants you to know him. But, but you cannot do this as a lone ranger. You think, oh, I, I can make this on my own. That's not the way the kingdom of God works. It's not the way the body of Christ works. We've got to do this together. As messy as it gets sometimes and, and as much conflict as it causes times, I believe everything works together for the good to them that are called. And sometimes the conflict that comes into my life, not sometimes but every time, it, it's working something in me and out of me at the same time. And so being better together, it, it is essential that we remain relational, we act like ourselves, and that we return to joy. Now, if you're looking at the current events, you know, and, and we need to, again, pray today for the the. the coast uh, for those in Texas that are being deluged, and, and you can imagine their lives being turned upside down, uh, uh, their homes being ruined. And you say, well, how can you return to joy there? Or, or, or if, uh, if you're dealing with sickness or you hear of cancer and all these things, how can you return to joy? And I'm here to tell you, you can. It's absolutely not only possible, but it's our God-gifted right to live in that joyful place. And uh, I, I'm going to tell you, the day that we live, the hour that we live, the, the, the current events that are around us, it could cause you to uh, be uh, less than joyful. You know, depend, I don't care what side of the political fence you, you fall on today, whether you're, you're for or against, it really doesn't matter because I'm here to tell you the kingdom of God is above all of that. And so when, when Jesus, uh, you know, they came to him with a, with a coin and said, hey, is it right to pay tribute to Caesar? And he said, whose inscriptions on that? He said, well, it's Caesar's. He said, then give to Caesar's what's Caesar's, and to God what's God's. His kingdom is not of this world. And, 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 and you know what? In our kingdom... The kingdom that we pursue is not of this world. And therefore, the current events around us, I don't care how tumultuous it gets, our joy is not based on what happens in this present life. That's why those that preach a prosperity gospel are flat out wrong. It's just wrong. Because I don't care if you're homeless Okay, you can have joy. 
And, and you can't have everything that this world says is all right and not have anything. I'm sorry. It's obvious you didn't win the lottery this week. It would have ruined your life. Honestly, it would have. God knows better because he's called you. And the idea, and if you look at the contrast, you know, uh, it, it wasn't a parable. Jesus said there was a, a poor man that was in the street named Lazarus that, that laid in the, in the alleyway by a rich man's house, and he begged for the rich man's food. And when Lazarus died, the angels of the Lord come and got him, took him into that place of safety and rest. When the rich man died, didn't work out so well for him. And so what I'm here to tell you is, you know, the idea of joy is totally opposite of what this world will sell to you. And, and, and you can have peace and joy and have nothing in this world. And you can believe that, man, I'm going to be joyful as soon as I get this or I get that, I get that, and you get those things and it doesn't uh, happen uh, to bring any of those lasting spiritual uh, fruit in your life. So the current, let me talk about current events for a moment. And uh, this is not unique to me. I didn't, I didn't get this by revelation. I actually saw this, uh, and I'll give honor in uh, the guy's name is John McCarthy. You've ever heard him? He's a national preacher. I enjoy some of his stuff. Um, uh, you know, and uh, he's got some great things to say from time to time. <laughs> but he was having a question and answer and uh, about what was going on, the, the current events in Charlottesville when they're tearing down those statues and all of that stuff going on. And, um, uh, you know, I don't know how much you're keeping up with it, but so so a a, a brother in the Lord, a black man, came up and he said, Pastor, you know, he's younger, probably his late 20s, maybe early 30s, he's a pastor. What is the biblical response to that? You know, how, how do you, you know, how, where do you put that scripturally? Um, and um, l- let me say this. Racism is a purely human creation. Okay? It is not in the kingdom. There is one race. It's the human race, right? That's just the way it is. There isn't where I'm better than you or you're better than me. It's we, we are one race. There have been things that have gone on in the past that different uh, uh, ethnic groups have been put down and all those things. I, and there's no doubt about it, you know, and whatever recourse, I don't even know. And I, all I want to do is preach the gospel, right? And love people. So uh, he asked, what's the bi- proper biblical response there in, all, uh, in all of these things? I mean, before they're all done, they're going to be tearing down everything, right? So, again, whether you think it's right or wrong, I, I'm, that's not the question. I just want you to hear this. <laughs> he said, he said uh, what's going on there? And I believe this. It's not. Uh, for racial equality. What they're doing is not to promote racial equality. What they're doing is the, the, the reality of it is the heart of man is desperately wicked. 
And when we were and when we're left to our own devices, we will fall away into a mob mentality that will kill and destroy. It's happened over and over and over again in history. The heart of man is desperately wicked. You know what that say means? My heart, my heart is desperately wicked. And you, if you give the human heart without checks and balances a free reign, what will happen is absolute anarchy. What will happen is the French Revolution. What will happen is the Holocaust. What will happen is countless so many times the brutality of man against man. And he said what happens is going on there is they are without restraint. And in calling it, they think they have a just cause, but they're not really for a cause. It's just wickedness being revealed. And he said this. He said there are three things that God has put in our lives to uh, uh, bring at bay or to keep our desperately wicked heart from being that. There's three uh, uh, uh or three things of safety, safety nets in our lives. He said one is the conscience of man. God has given you and I a conscience. And, and what happens is when we take the time to hear God's word, we allow his word into our conscious thought. That's why it is so absolutely essential for you to take the time to be in fellowship with the body of Christ, to hear the word, to take the time to be in a Bible study, to take the time to be in group. It is absolutely necessary for you it, you're, because the world around us is not is less and less giving you a consciousness of God. I'll say it again. When I was a young person and we'd watch the Johnny Cash show, Johnny Cash would close out the show with a gospel song. You know, that's the only gospel song I'd hear all week because I never went to church. Or, or Elvis Presley, when he'd be out there doo-wopping and all that he'd do, he would close it out. You know, because there is a, still in the conscience of our culture a God consciousness. And I've said it before, we, it's not in the 70s. We didn't do wrong, but we knew it was wrong. Today, they do wrong, and, and they, think, they call it right. They're calling good evil and evil good because the conscious, our conscience has been seared. And, we're, and if you're not in a place where you can hear his word, and here's what it says. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it to make her her, uh, holy, cleansing her with the washing of the water. How? By the word. It is the word of God. Listen, Ephesians chapter 5 is about husbands and wives in, in that relationship, but it really is about Christ and the church. And, and, and he goes, uh, husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself to, for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of the water by the word. The kids came up today and they said, you know, I, I got to give him one sentence or one 
brief thing. What 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 am I preaching about? I, I, and and I said, you, I'm talking about you got to take a bath. You got to take a bath. Some of them scowled. Some were happy. They thought I was saying now. I'm not talking now. But I'm here to tell you there is an absolute completed work in the cross of Christ. Okay? And in the power of his blood. But I'm here to tell you there has to be in our lives a constant washing of the water by the word if we're to stay with a conscience that's God conscious. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm here to tell you when you when you fall out of fellowship and you you kind of just you know nobody just absolutely goes back in the world one day bam the light goes off and they're back in the world there is this falling away to where the world comes upon you and if you're not careful and you don't allow God's word I don't care how long you've been around I need God's word to wash me I need his consciousness, God's word in my conscience so that when I am faced with things in this world, I hear his word first. I know some of you have great cushy jobs. Uh, I think so. Where you never get dirty. But I haven't had, I've had, you know, when I started at a young age on the farm, uh, it was just a mess. If you ever worked a farm, and then I, in the Navy, I was in engineering, and my goodness, man, you know, you come out of there a mess. Then, and then I got, you know, over uh, as a younger man with a young family, I, I was a, a service tech, and I would clean uh, oil boilers. Anybody ever have to do that? But you come out there looking like a chimney sweep. You know, and, and, and from one thing, yesterday I'm working the back a little bit, and I had some uh, rims that were all rusted up. I was using a grinder. By the time I got, got all done, it was just there, there, are, there are things that go on in our lives that you need to take a bath, right? You can't just go out and say no big deal. But And, and, and the reality of it is, there's things you do that just flat out get you dirty. I'm here to tell you, folks, the things you watch, the music you listen to, the world around us, the conversation at work, I'm telling you they will cause you to be filthy. Listen to me. I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not saying how evil you are. I'm telling you the culture around us, it doesn't lend to a God consciousness. And if you don't take time for, for the washing of the water by the word in your life, not just on a Sunday morning, but take time to read it for yourself. Let that word wash you. Why? So that the first line of defense in my life is the word of God. I don't have to worry about not murdering somebody. Because I know, and even though I've honestly, it's been in my heart. I had a list. And, 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 and it's like, God, but I have to forgive. Why? Because God consciousness. That's what his word says. 
and 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 and, and letting that continually wash over me. But I'm here to tell you, I know today if I'm out of fellowship, if I stop reading the Word, if I stop being in prayer, if I stop uh, uh, coming and hearing God's voice, that our conscience slowly takes on the atmosphere of what we give ourselves to. The first line, this is, John MacArthur didn't say all that, I did. The whole idea of the first line of defense that God's put in our life is our conscience. And their conscience being seared with a hot iron is what the Scripture says. about The next in our lives are our parents. Okay? Our young people do not know the right and wrong. They, they'll run out in front of a car. They'll, they'll, you know, they'll do all kinds of crazy things. And you need that parental oversight to declare to you that's wrong. How many of you realize our conscience of our world and culture is under attack today? Okay. How many of you know that the family, the nuclear family is falling apart and it takes away that other voice in our head? I'm here to tell you that I still, my dad, thank God my dad and mom, they're still alive and they're, and they're relatively healthy, but, but I still hear my dad's voice. So I'm going into the bank or going in, going into some door, and there's a woman behind me, and I open the door, and she says to me, and this has happened a few times, she says, no, go ahead, sir. I said, oh, no, my dad would kill me. I ain't doing that. I don't know. He may be driving by. Say, yeah, that ain't happening, sis. You're going ahead of me. Why? Because of the, what, the voice of that parental authority that God's given and, and, and it speaks into our lives. Well, we're living in a day today that that voice doesn't exist for so many. If you were to look at the thugs that are there, we're in, there in Charlottesville, the, the, the wickedness of their heart, I guarantee you they didn't have uh, 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 that mother and father oversight. And he, and, and he said, he said that, okay, so you got your conscience, you got uh, uh, your, your parents. He said the last line of defense against anarchy and against absolute confusion is law. We prayed for the police last week. You know what? You need to pray for them every week. You really do. You need to pray God's blessing because they are the last line of defense in a, in a culture that's headed downhill. And you can even see it when they do not respect those that wear the uniform, that lack of honor. Well, well they're not all right. I realize that there, there is in every profession, there's maybe a few, but I'm going to tell you what, the vast majority of them that are out there are just doing their job day after day. And, and when you get to the place in our culture that they don't even respect those that, that, that uh, defend us and support us and those in law enforcement, when you see that happening, we're in a, we're in a slide. I'm not saying that it's, you know, we're doomed, but I'm telling you what, that's what happened. And, and so for you, 
You ought to have a good conscience. A conscience void of offense before God and man. You need to let his word be a part of your life continually so that you understand God consciousness. I'm, 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 because that will overcome those of you that didn't have good parental upbringing. You understand that? If you didn't have a mom and dad, oh, I'm doomed. No, you're not. You have a father who loves you. And his voice always speaks. But in our society, and, and, and again, I am thankful for those that give every day and put themselves out there uh, in law enforcement, and they need to be honored. And, and you're, what you're seeing today is, is a lack of honor there, and that's a scary place. And I'm telling you, just hang on because I don't think it's going to get better, okay? Now, I say that to tell you to return to joy. Because I, when Jesus said, when you see these things coming, don't get all freaked out. Because that is not the source of your joy. That's not the source of your peace. Man, my kingdom's coming. You got to be ready. Way too, far too many, you call them Christians, are so comfortable here that you have no concept of the kingdom of God. Well, I'm telling you, God's fixing to shake things up. And when he shakes it up, you're either going to be so afraid or you're going to find your source of joy is him and his kingdom. And I'm telling you what, it's, it's exciting times that we live in. Don't be afraid. He said we're not to live in fear. He says uh, in Luke chapter 12, verse 4, he says, I say to you, my friends, don't fear those who can kill the body. And... After that, can do nothing more. He goes on to say in the next verse, he said, fear him once the body's dead, he can put you in hell. That's not this, we got to be around, afraid God's going to cast us down. A respect. We get so afraid of so many things, and, and, and the biggest fear, well, what happens if somebody would, were to kill us? He said, don't fear that. You know why the early church had revival in the midst of a cultural decay, in the midst of them being uh, so incredibly persecuted to the end, to the point of death? They had revival because they absolutely were sure of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They had an, uh, an, uh, an incredible understanding and belief in the surety of his resurrection. Now, I guarantee they had it on us because they watched him die and then they saw him live. But we're blessed even though we haven't seen and yet we believe. What we can see is that the resurrection turned the world upside down. If it wasn't for the resurrection, Jesus would have been another Buddha. Would have been another uh, Confucius or some other great philosopher. And in fact, so much so, there's people that live their life in Christian philosophy but never really understand the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection gives you hope and joy when your life is falling apart. Jesus does not promise you just absolute smooth and perfect life here. In fact, he says it's few days and full of trouble, and some of you have suffered such tremendous loss, and the only thing that keeps your sanity 
is the power of the resurrection. A hope that this life is not it. An understanding that it's not it. But they believed in the resurrection and it turned the world upside down. It says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, uh, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 8, verse 23. And not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruit, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now, in this hope, we were saved. What saved you? Man, I wanted God to deliver me from my present-day situation, and he does that. And I'm going to tell you what saves you and, and, uh, and, and what keeps you is a hope of the resurrection. It says, now in this hope we were saved, yet hope that is not uh, that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18 says, so that through uh, two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge may have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope as an anchor of our lives, safe and secure. What anchors your life? The stock market, the political winds, how good your income is. The hope that anchors our soul is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I am convinced even at my age as I grow older that the best for me is yet to come. I absolutely believe even as I grow weaker and things uh, go on in my body, the best is yet to come. I'm not of those that think, oh, I wish I could go back 10 years or 20 years. I say, God bless you, young people. I'm glad I've been through it. I don't want to go back there. I want to go forward in Christ. I want. I cannot wait until my change comes and I stand before him as and see him as he is. That is my hope. It is that kind of hope that could put you beside the grave of a child and you could still have joy. Not that you won't have sorrow, not, it's not that you won't grieve, but you can. Ha- your hope says this is not the end. Grave, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Because of the resurrection, I can return to joy because this isn't the beginning and end. So the reality of the resurrection will cause you to put this life in a proper perspective. Again, there are too many that want to live a Christian philosophy, and I'm going to tell you, it's not a bad way to live. Forgiveness. There, there's, there's all kinds of books on philosophy that have Christian philosophy. Psychology. All of these things, but, but yet they do not understand the power of Christianity. And for you and I to understand it is to live with joy. 
in every, again, we visit those islands from time to time, but we build those bridges back to the reality that God is for us, that no weapons formed against me will prosper, that everything works together for the good. Regardless what life throws at us, we, we, you know, there's those that believe if somebody has a hard time in life that God's cursed them, and it may be exactly the opposite. Shelley bringing in uh, James and some other people that are destitute in life, they, you never know what God's called them to be in the life to come. Be careful how you treat people. They may be the stars among us. We see somebody with this world's goods and we think they're somebody's and they may be, it may be just nothing but a curse in their life. I would rather be destitute and know that I need God than be filled with this world's good and think that I can buy my way out of it. So they, in Matthew chapter 28, and I'm almost done. Matthew 28 and 80, uh, Mary and Mary, Mary Magdalene and Mary get to the tomb. They, they just want to go see the tomb. Jesus has been buried. And they almost get to the tomb, and the Bible says an angel appears like lightning. Bam! Rolls a stone away. I'm telling you what, that would get my attention. And, and, and they're like, whoa. And, and so the angel says to, to them, hey, well, I know you're looking for Jesus. He's not here. He said, go back, tell the boys. And the Bible says that in verse number 8, so departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. One, one translation said they were terrified. I can imagine they were terrified, but I'm going to tell you something. It's not uh, uh, the absence of fear in your life. Honey, we've got to battle fear every day. It's not like, oh, man, you know, we got this uh, idea that if I'm going to be a Christian that I just all of a sudden have no more of these struggles. They're in the midst of, of one of the most powerful events in human history, and they're terrified. But with that terror, there was great joy. It's like, I don't know what's going on, but something's happening. And, and I'm going to tell you, friend, listen, I don't care what's going on in your life, but God's not sitting on the sideline doing nothing. Something's going on. He's working something out. He's working something in you. You've got to believe. And you can be terrified at the same time, be so excited with expectation. That God, you're doing something that, man, those ladies tore out of there scared. But it's like, whoa. How many times have you ever felt that? And what do you give yourself to? What is it that becomes that default setting in your life? It ought to be that we return to joy. That, God, I believe you. First Peter Chapter 1 and verse number 8, it says, You love him though you've not seen him, and though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you're receiving the goal of your faith. Come on, man. What is it that brings you joy? 
the inexpressible and glorious joy that is ours, that the world cannot give it and the world cannot take it away, is the salvation of your soul. It's that hope that anchors us. It is that that causes us to have glorious joy. It ought to be the goal of your faith. I don't know what else your faith goal would be. Somebody wants someone to use God like a rabbit foot hanging from their mirror that everything would go good in their life. Some lucky charm. I'm going to tell you your life can completely fall apart and it doesn't uh, 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 for one moment take away from your station and who you are in Christ. You can lose your job and lose your health and, and things just seemingly by this world fall apart, but I'm here to tell you your faith and the salvation of your soul, it needs to be the goal because that will cause you constantly and continually to return to that joyful place. Stand with me. I got one more verse here. Get this, Colossians 1.24. Is it coming behind me or no? Okay, good. Not yelling at you, Em. Because I want you to see this. This is absolutely profound. Colossians 1.24, and I'm reading from the HCSB, and we're going to wait just a second. Is it coming up? No. Listen to this. It says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for you. And I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's affliction for his body. That is the church. Let me, let me read it again. Thank you. Leave, leave that up there, honey. Don't take it down. It says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's affliction for his body. Did you ever read that? Think about it for a moment. Did you ever think there was anything lacking in Christ's affliction? Have you always heard it was an absolute completed work? What Jesus did was once for all, and there's nothing else to add to it. How is it that Paul says, I rejoice in my suffering, and I, for I am, there's something missing because he's completing in his flesh what was lacking. Think about it for a moment. How, what could it be that Paul, and you guys can go ahead and play, what could it be that Paul was doing for the church well, he says, I rejoice in my sufferings. There still needs to be a human display of God's grace and provision. They saw him in the flesh, and they, and they saw the death, burial, and resurrection. Well, I'm here to tell you today, folks, the world is going to see a church 
that stares at the face of suffering and is joyful in it. Paul didn't say, oh, poor me. He didn't say, oh, man, I just, I wish I, you know, I shouldn't have to do this. This life's not fair. God, if you love me, you wouldn't make me suffer. He said, I rejoice in my suffering. He said, I'm going to stand right here. I'm going to take all that this world will give, and I'm going to be joyful. If there's one thing lacking, is that this world needs to see a church that regardless what's going on in your life, you're standing there with joy. Because the joy that he gives as an anchor for your soul is based on the hope that this world doesn't have. Come on, can you add one thing to the cross? I think you can. You can add that human display. You understand me? You can add that I become an epistle known and read of all men. I become the word of God to my neighbor, to my friend. I become that. What, when they see you, what do they see? And so I'm asking today, Father, that you would bless us. That you would help us as Paul did, uh, Lord Jesus, that display of rejoicing in the midst of suffering. Regardless what comes in uh, into our lives in the next years or decades. God, let that joy be the default setting of our lives. That our hope, oh God, goes beyond this present world. God, I ask your grace, your goodness, your mercy today upon every heart. Let them return to joy. Lord, let it be, Lord, your kingdom that's our priority. I speak your goodness. I speak your goodness. I'm going to open these altars. Would you take some time before you leave? Let God touch you. Just come down and bask in his presence. Just come on down and, and, and recommit your life to him. Come on down and let say, God, you know, I, I've been spun up about so many things, but they're not the important thing. Let God have your heart this morning. In Jesus' name. Run into your arms, the riches of your love.